We're in our series called uh, Stay Alert. Somebody say, Stay Alert. So if you've been a part of this series, you know that uh, I had another series planned, but God really spoke these two words to me on a, on a, a time when I was praying and said, this is, these are words for Core Church. And I need you to get these words out to the people of Core Church. And I tried to figure out a different way to do it. And he said, no, I want you to preach it. And so this is the final week. It's just three weeks we're stopping down to talk about staying alert because we all see it right now. We see godly people, good people, people that love the word, people that love the house, that were part of your group and you're like, where did they go? What happened? Over the last couple of years, they've just become disconnected and, and, and they've gone from being passionate followers of Jesus to just kind of being passive and over the last few weeks I know you said I don't want to be that I'm going to re-engage or I'm going to stay engaged that I, I'm not going to fall back into my old patterns and so I want to finish and land today with this idea of now what I've decided I'm staying engaged I'm going to I'm going to continue to be a worshiper I'm going to stay alert but how how do I keep from drifting drifting back into my old patterns? And Nehemiah is going to help us with this. If you've been a part of Core Church for any amount of time, you know this is really my life book. And our uh, so many principles in this book is how our church was founded and, and, and what God has done in the life of our church. I come back to this book. I read it every year because it's just so powerful to me personally. It's become pretty much my life story. So any chance I get to preach out of it, I get really excited. So if you don't know the background on this and you're new to the scriptures, this is pre-Jesus, like uh, way before Jesus, and before he was born, not pre-Jesus. Jesus has always been, so you're like, what kind of crazy church is this? What's he saying about Jesus? Before Jesus was born. And Nehemiah, the children of Israel were in captivity, and they had been hauled off to Babylon, and Nehemiah was a slave in Babylon, and he'd heard about the walls in Jerusalem being down. I know many of you know this story, but if you don't, let me catch you up to speed here. Nehemiah is a slave. He hears about the walls being down. It captures his heart. He becomes passionate, and he goes back to Jerusalem, and he gathers the entire nation, and they rebuild these walls for the glory of God in just 52 days. And it's one of the most amazing stories in all of Scripture. And Nehemiah didn't just rebuild these walls, by the way, for people to be protected and for the safety of the people. He actually, the main reason the walls were rebuilt were for the glory of God. Anything and everything you do in your life is for the glory of God. And so Nehemiah rebuilt these walls. I, I like to call it a, he was rebuilding a wall of worship is really what he was doing. He was reinstating worship in Jerusalem and in the nation of Israel, recentering them. And so we're going to talk today a little bit about this idea of, of building this wall of worship. And Nehemiah chapter 4, this is, they're, they're partway into building the wall. Things are going really, really good. And then in chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. People had worked with enthusiasm. They were excited. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the work was going on ahead and the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they, they got ticked off. They made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem. They wanted to throw them into confusion. It says, Nehemiah prayed to God and guarded the city day and night to protect themselves. And then the people of Judah began to complain. So the people who were building the wall started to complain. Why? Because they were getting tired. 
There was way too much rubble to be moved, and they were exhausted. They thought, we're never going to be able to finish this project. Maybe you feel that way as you're rebuilding a wall of worship in your life. Man, this is, am I ever going to get there? Meanwhile, the enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we're going to swoop down on them, we're going to kill them, and we are going to end their work. you got an enemy that wants to end the work that God has begun in your life. And you cannot let him end the work. You've got to stand guard. Somebody say stand guard. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and they told us, hey, they're going to they're come. They're going to attack. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. We're going to talk about that today. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles, the rest of the people, and I said to them, hey, don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Somebody say that with me. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Somebody say, remember the Lord. This, this is what you're doing right now. You're recentering yourself. Oh, that's right. It's about Jesus. That's why we're here. He is great and he is glorious. Now fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Title of my message today is Stand Guard. Stand Guard. Father, in the moments that we have together, will you just help us? Would you speak to us? We thank you for your presence that's here and how you're going to equip us to go out into this world with the good news of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. All right, you can, you can be seated. So when, when Nehemiah first arrived in Jerusalem, backing up to the beginning of the story, and he told the people that his plan was to rebuild the city, they got stoked. They got excited. They, they were pumped up. Look, look at the beginning of the story. It says this, they replied, yes, let's rebuild the wall. I think we all get excited when we hear or we, we see something that can improve our lives, don't we? Like you see that ad for the Peloton bike and you're like, oh yeah, it's on. Like, you mean I can go anywhere in the world from the comfort of my living room? I'm in. Or you see the lady in the ad? Come on, ladies, be real. You see it? She's got the little tiny toddler running around, and she's like, you just sit right there, cutie, and she's got the yoga pants on. You're like, nobody looks like that after having a toddler. I got to get me one of them Pelotons. Those are amazing. Or maybe, maybe it's about being organized. Uh, how many of you are disorganized in your life? Raise your hand. I am disorganized. And you're like, I'm getting organized. And you see the planner to end all planners. You know what I'm talking about? Look at that bad boy right there. It's always this disorganized people that get excited about planners. It's got quotes in it. It's got different colors. It's got pictures. It has pictures. It even has little things I'm supposed to do and say and answer. You get all stoked and excited. Or uh, if you're a student and the new, new uh, the fall, fall uh, semester begins and you go through the list of classes you can take, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness, I can take this class and I can take this class and this class will better me and this one will be fantastic and I'll take this one. You get all amped up and you get excited. For me, it's my lawn. Now, I, that's really boring. I know. I know that's, but I become that guy. I, the guy I never wanted to be. I, I, I get excited about a straight edge on my sidewalk. 
I mean, when I see that bad boy, I'm like, yeah, check that out. I'm inviting the family out. I'm posting pictures. I'm calling the neighbors over. Look at that line. Look at that line right there, bad. That's, that's fantastic. I just have become, it's awful. I hate that about myself, but I just love my lawn. And so I was looking at my lawn, and I saw it was real patchy, and I was like, oh, that's, that's not going to work. I have to have the best lawn in the neighborhood. And, and so I was thinking, what do I need to do? Do I need to get some sod? Do I need to seed it? And so I called somebody that I respect and I admire, and it's Chad Butcher right over here. Chad, wave at everybody. Chad, this is you. raise your hand. Come on, this is an ad for your business, my friend. You should be standing up. Go hand out business cards, my friend. Freedom amongst the people. Chad's so funny. He's like, he, so he runs, a, his company's called Eternal Roots, and I thought to myself, well, that's a company right there, Eternal Roots. That's amazing. I mean, my roots are going to last forever, and they are going to be blessed of the Lord. He's like, man. So I called him up. I said, hey, what do I need? And he, he said, oh, no, Brad, you don't need to sod it. You just need to uh, seed it and aerate it. I'm like, all right. And so for those of you that are novices to the lawn, aerate is when you till the soil, so to speak, and put the seed in so that it can germinate, pollinate, and then you can salivate over your yard. <laughs> So anyway, uh, and, he, and he, so I say, okay, how much is it? And then he tells me how much it is, and I go, okay, never mind. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, how much is that? Oh, my goodness. And he said, well, hey, hey, Pastor Eric, and those of you who don't know Pastor Eric, he's down here in the front row. Pastor Eric, he needs to area his yard as well. And if you guys do it together and you help me, I'll charge you this much. I'm like, done, we're in, we'll do it. And so I didn't know, though, what I'd signed up for. So uh, he pulls into my neighborhood, and I mean, I'm not kidding, it's like this massive semi comes pulling into my neighborhood with this thing on the back of the trailer that's got like a crane to lift it off. <laughs> into my yard. I'm like, man, this is like a combine in my front yard. And it's got a handle on it that I'm supposed to guide it around the yard with. And I'm like, that's no way I can end. And so Chad, he's like, oh, it's easy. Pastor Eric was there. He's like, oh, it's easy. Let me show you. And he's just like, he just starts it up, and it's like, and he goes, clips it, and he's like, jive talking, da 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 swings it around. He's like, jive talking, and telling no lies. All right, Brad, your turn. Oh, well, it can't be that hard. And he goes, hey, hang on. It's got a little bit of a kick to it. I hit this thing, and it goes, <laughs> takes off across the yard. I'm planking at this point. And I'm not kidding. It's like, <laughs> I was going wherever it was going. There's no rhyme or reason to anywhere I was going in this yard. I, I woke up the next day. I thought I had COVID. I was, I was aching head to toe. I, had, I, I mean, there were muscles and things. I was like, I didn't even know I had a muscle there. I don't even know. What was that? You know what the kicker of this whole thing was? That wasn't the worst part about it. The worst part about it was when we got all done in my driveway, we're kicking back, drinking some sweet tea. And he goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to give you guys the instructions. Instructions? For what? So you got to water it now. Oh, okay, I can water it. And then he gave us the instructions, and I wanted you to see these instructions. First week, twice a day. Twice a day. 10 to 20 minutes per zone. I have six zones. That's four hours of watering a day. 
a day. I'm calling Eric, Pastor Eric. We're like, you want to go to celebrate recovery with me? Let's go to celebrate recovery. I can't, I can't do this. I have just been cussing my lawn. This is terrible. I lost all my salvation. I just, uh, it's like, and it doesn't even calm down. Week two, week three, I'm still on it every day. Per day, he tries to fool you. It's per day. That means every day, people. I was just like, you got to be, I don't, I honestly was trying to think, I don't even know what week I'm in right now. I really, I have no idea what week. We get excited, don't we, about something new, new opportunity, something's going to improve our lives. Then you got to write it, or you got to plan it, or you got to study it, or you got to water it. I mean, it's just not a, a, a lot of fun. We get excited, and, and maybe over the past few weeks, you've gotten excited as you, and I hope you've been excited, you've been inspired, and you've been encouraged to say, you know what, I'm going to stay alert. That's what I'm going to do. And maybe, maybe you've been trying to build that wall of worship in your life. You've committed. I'm, maybe you went out and you bought a journal, and you said, I'm going to start doing that. Or you downloaded version, and I'm going to start doing a daily devotion. Or you signed up, and you said, I'm going to join a core group. Or I'm going to, you know what, I'm just going to commit I'm going to commit to being an image bearer of God. Or you said, you know, maybe you were in a core group and you went through core growth and you came to those growth goals and you're like, I wrote down the goals and now I'm, I'm in and I, I, want to, I want this to be my life. I, I want to stay alert. And you're excited. I'm excited about the possibilities of what God can do in your life. So here's the kind of exclamation point, I think, on, on the series if I were to wrap it up in one statement, it would be this to remember is the biggest challenge isn't getting started. I want you to write that down. The biggest challenge isn't getting started. It's staying committed. It's easy to get started. It's a whole nother thing to stay committed. This is, this is exactly what Nehemiah is dealing with. I mean, they, they're just getting started. They're excited, and then the walls are about halfway up, and everybody's tired. Everybody's wore out, and they want, they want to quit. And then on top of that, the enemy is planning to come and attack. And it says this in chapter 4 and verse 8, they, that's a simple they. We're talking about three enemy nations surrounding them, all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem. And say it with me, do what? Throw us into confusion. See, the enemy had seen people come and go. What you may not know is that the walls have been down for over 100 years. And people had come and gone. They said, oh, we're going to rebuild the walls. We're excited. We're going to rebuild for Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo! Okay, and so they're excited, but then, then nothing came of their plans. You all know people like that. They get excited and nothing comes of it. So the enemy's like, now here comes another one. And then they saw Nehemiah was serious. They're like, oh, wow, this guy is this guy is serious. Like he's, he's gonna, and so they said, we've got to throw this guy's plans into confusion. It's kind of like when you go to Ikea. You ever been to Ikea? How many of you ever been to an Ikea? Raise your hand. You've been to an Ikea. Okay. You know, and you're following the little arrows because, you know, I'm seven years old and I have to go where you tell me I've got to go. And so you're looking at all the cool bedroom, you know, like the, oh, look at that, look at that living room set. That's amazing. Look at that bedroom set. We could have that as well. And you're writing down numbers, getting the little cards, and you go down to the cash register, and we'll, we'll take bedroom suite number 73, please. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll ship that right to your house. What? You'll ship that to my house? This is amazing. Wow. And then it shows up, this huge bedroom suite that you bought with dressers and beds and nightstands and lamps, and it comes in a shoebox. 
<laughs> you're like, all right, I'm going to tackle this. And you open it up, and then you open up the instructions, right? <laughs> Folds out. There's like 97 languages. You can't even find English, and you are confused. This is exactly what the enemy was doing to Nehemiah. It's exactly what he is going to start doing to you. When you start building a wall of worship in your life, when you determine that you're going to stay alert, the enemy is coming for you, and he wants to throw you into confusion. Like you say, I'm going to commit to the word of God, and then your alarm goes off. Oh, man, I am... I. I don't know. You commit to pray and you get nothing. I'm not talking about not an answer to prayer. I'm talking about you sit down to pray and you got, I don't even know what to say. I'm not really hearing anything. You commit to a core group. You're like, I'm, I, somebody invites you. Our core groups are so great about inviting people all the time. If you're new, just get ready. Somebody from a core group is hunting you down. They're going to find you. And they're going to say, you need to be in my group because that's what our groups do. Our groups, man, we don't do life alone. Our groups are always constantly inviting new people into their groups. And I love that about the environment and the, the spirit of our people here at Core Church, always inviting people into groups. And, and, and they're going to hunt you down. And so somebody maybe did that and you got all excited. You're like, oh, we got, we got maybe some friends. We got friends on the radar. It's amazing. And, and then you get excited and the day comes to go to group. And then all of a sudden every insecurity from sixth grade shows back up. Are they going to like me? Am I dressed right? Oh, man, I don't even know. Is this what they wear? I don't know what they wear. Am I, am I get there? I mean, are they going to, am I going to fit in? Are our kids going to fit in? Are, I gonna, are they, I mean, when they start talking about the Bible, I don't know the Bible, and I'm going to look like an idiot. We're not going. He's going to throw you into confusion. You say, I'm going to be an image bearer. We talked about that last week. I'm going to be an image bearer. I'm going to live a holy life. I'm going to show kindness and mercy and grace. And then you go to work. The enemy is set on throwing you into confusion. And so Nehemiah, I love this, Nehemiah, he just kept building that wall of worship and he guarded his mind against the confusion that the enemy had set against him. How did he do this? Real simple, basic, verse 9, but we what? Prayed. Prayed to our God and we did what? We we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Write this down. Stand guard and keep building that wall of worship. From this point on, stand guard and keep building that wall of worship. The very first thing that Nehemiah did was he, he prayed. He prayed because he knew that the battle first and foremost was not a physical battle that he could see he had three armies coming after him to tear down a physical wall, but Nehemiah was smart enough to realize that is not what I need to be focused on right now. This is a spiritual battle. So when you sense your worship is being challenged, you got to lean into the Lord. You got to lean into him. I like Psalm 34, 7. It says, for the angel of the Lord is, is what? Say it with me. He is a guard. He surrounds and he defends. He is a guard. He surrounds. He defends all who fear him. There's this great story in 2 Kings. You can read this letter. There's this, later, there's this guy named Elisha. He's a prophet, mighty man of God. And uh, the enemy is, keeps 
keeps getting defeated by Israel, and they can't figure out why they keep doing these sneak attacks and these different things that are happening, and they, they figure out that it's Elisha, that God is telling Elisha where the enemy's going to be, and then he tells the king of Israel, and the king of Israel goes out and defeats the enemy, and they're all just messed up, and they're like, it's Elisha. And so they find out that Elisha and his servant are away from the 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 uh, the army and they're and they're not being protected and they're vulnerable and so he said they set out to attack him and they surround him and his servant is freaking out rightly so he's like oh my goodness the entire hillsides are covered by the we're going to die dead today and the prophet Elisha says, says he prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant and we read this in chapter six verse seventeen. The servant saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. You cannot see into the spiritual realm. I recognize that. I can't see into the spiritual realm. But right now, all around you are angels and chariots of fire. All around you are the angels of God fighting on your behalf. So many of you have no strength right now. You can't fight for yourself. You're like, I can't do it. You're like, this is overwhelming. I can't face this another. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. And God says, don't, no, hang on. I'm fighting on your behalf. I got you. I don't just have your back. I got your front. I got your side. I got you surrounded right now. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Man, prayer, prayer opens our eyes to see, as this story would tell you if you were to read it, that there are more that are for us than are against us. So Nehemiah knew the battle was spiritual, but this is interesting. He also understood very clearly it was a physical battle. Like there are three, this is a physical thing. So often as Christians, we're like, we're just going to make it all spiritual. I'm just going to take it to the Lord and leave it there. <laughs> How's that working for you? Because it's not just a spiritual battle. It's also a physical battle. Nehemiah knew that, and he's, that's why it says he guarded and protected the city. And when you begin to build a life of worship, you're going to face a physical battle. What do I mean by that? You're going to battle exhaustion. Okay? You're, you're just going to be exhausted. You're going to be, you're going to be tired. You're going to commit to reading the Word or whatever it is you're committed to do, or going to a group or being in the house of God or, or praying or whatever it is you're committed to or just being kind and considerate, and, and you're just tired. Like, I mean, the, when we went through core growth as groups just recently, I set my growth goals. One of them was for my daily devotions, which I've been doing for like 30 years. And my goal was go to bed on time so I don't fall asleep during my devotions in the morning. Because I fall asleep during my devotions in the morning because I'm exhausted. And I'm sitting there, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, <clears throat> I mean, out cold. And I'm like, okay, I, I got it. It's a battle. It's about your schedule. You're good. You, you commit to, to a life of worship. You commit to Jesus. Guess what? Your schedule is going to fight you tooth and nail. It's going to tell you, no, 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 you don't have time for that. You got to be here. You, you must be here. You must do this. I mean, how many times do we do that? If you really analyzed a lot of your schedule, you would realize, I don't have to do that. The world tells me, my brain is telling me, I have to do that. I have to be there. My kids have got to be in this, and this has got to be this. And then you're sacrificing a life of worship. Why? Because it's a battle on your schedule. 
It is a physical battle. You're going to battle. You're going to battle motivation. Just the want to. Like, didn't you just battle that just this morning trying to get to the house of God? You're just like, man, it'd just be so much easier. We could just, it is still being broadcast online. This is a, It'd be so much easier. I'd have to get out of these PJ pants, and I really don't want to. I mean, it's a battle. I mean, it is a battle to be an image bearer. It's a battle to the, the, the lure. I, I was talking about this last week. The, there is the lure of worship, and then there is the lure of the beauty of the world. There's a lot of really good things you can be doing. This world created by God has created beautiful things. So many times in the church we've demonized the beauty of this world. And there's so many beautiful things that you can be doing in this world that you could put your, put your hand to, but it's going to be a battle because what's going to happen is the beauty of the world is going to turn your head from the beauty of Christ. And, and you're going to have to battle that. You're going to have to stand guard. Turn to somebody and tell them, stand guard. You got, you got to stand guard and you got to keep building that wall of worship. So the enemy has got this strategy against Nehemiah, but what I love about Nehemiah is Nehemiah had a strategy against the enemy. I love this. He's like bowing up. I think this is why he's one of my favorite Bible characters. Oh, bring it on. You got three armies? Bring it stinking on. Okay, he is just, he just bows up. And in verse 13, he says this, all right, you coming at me? All right. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. This is fascinating. Nehemiah, he went around, if you read early in the story, he went around and he inspected all of the walls, and this took a lot of time. And he went around to see where were the weak spots, where were the, where were the vulnerable places, and then, then he wrote down and he made notes of all of that to where they were prone to attack. Like, what, what areas of your life are you vulnerable? What, what areas of your life are exposed to the enemy where you could be easily compromised or easily taken out? Where are you letting down your, your guard? Laura, um, she, she loves Hobby Lobby grass. Um, you know what I'm talking about, the, the stuff on sticks with the feather stuff on it? I don't even know what that, I just call it Hobby Lobby grass. Uh, <laughs> She's infatuated with it. She's like, I, I have to have it. I have to have it. Okay, you have to have it. Uh, and so it's everywhere. It's, just, it's in the attic. It's, in, it's, it's out in my shed. It's in the car. It's in the garage. It's in vases all over the house. It's like feathers. I mean, it's just beautiful. So we were in, Colo <laughs> we were in Colorado, and, um, and she saw it growing in the wild. She was like, it's an entire field of feather grass. And so she... Gets, goes out into this, she's going to cut it and, and bring it home. So she goes out into this field of weeds, and, and, uh, and I'm like, hey, honey, be careful out there. It's Colorado. Be careful of the weeds you're picking, you know. like, <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> she's out there clipping away, and she's like, whoo, this is really fun. Wrong weed. Wrong weed, honey. I feel like I'm, in Al I'm Alice in Wonderland. Wrong way, honey, wrong way. Come this way, come this way. Okay, here I come, here I come. Let's go back. Anyway, no, I'm sorry, I digress. Where was I? <laughs> so, so she's like, can we stop for snacks? Because I'm really, really hungry. <laughs> All right, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. So back to my illustration. You people are getting me off subject. So, <laughs> so 
Uh, so she cuts it all, and she gets this feathered grass in the back of the car, and we start down the interstate, and we're not 15 minutes down the road, and I start having an allergy attack. Not kidding you. I've never had an allergy attack like this. I mean, my, my nose is just like I can't. I Suddenly, I'm like going from being able to breathe to I can't breathe to my eyes are starting to swell up. Like, it's like this is happening minute by minute. I mean, something's very, very wrong. What's, what's wrong? I'm trying to figure out what in the world is happening. And then I remember it's that stinking feather grass in the back of the car. And I said to her, I said, she's like, oh, let's stop. Let's get it out of the car. And I said, listen, and I'm truthfully, I said, you love this stuff. Let's just put it in a garbage bag, seal it up, and we'll get it home. She goes, no, we need to get it out of the car because it's, you're never going to overcome this. If you don't get it out of the car, you got to get it out of the car. Some of you have allowed things into your life, and it's jacking you up, and it's messing you up, and you don't know what it is. And what's crazy, even for some of you, you think you can control it. I'll just bag it up. I got it under control. It's not really hurting me, and you have no idea that you've allowed the enemy in. Like for Nehemiah, he inspected the low parts of the wall. you got to take time to inspect the walls of worship, and that takes time, my friends. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. We talked about this yesterday at our men's event. Man, that was, man, that was good yesterday, wasn't it, guys? Like, Wow. Man, that was fun. But we talked a little bit about this. We talked about um, Blaine and I were talking about uh, how we utilize the Lord's Prayer every day. If you go to our website, go to corechurch.com, you'll see a plan that you can use with the Lord's Prayer. And I, we were talking about how we use the Lord's Prayer every day to kind of inspect the walls of worship. Even me. I'm telling you, this series is for those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. If you think you're on point, this series is for you. Because every morning I sit down and I inspect the walls, and part of the Lord's Prayer is this idea of submission and the way I submit myself to God. And if you want to know, how do I submit myself to God? Sit down every day, open your Bible, and do what it says. When your Bible is like this, I would challenge you in saying, are you really submitted to God? Are you? Are you really? You're really, oh, yeah, God, I'm all Jesus. I'm all Jesus all the time. How do you know? How do you even know what he wants you to do? How do you even know? The best way to know that you're submitted to him is to open it up, to read it, let him inspect the walls of your life. And then one thing I do in the Lord's Prayer that I've begun to practice is this idea of repentance. Because God's going to expose those areas that are vulnerable in your life, those things that you need to get out of your life, those things that are not like him. And one of the things I do, and, and I've talked about this before from this stage, so this is not new, but I will stop. And this takes time. Like Nehemiah, he goes out and he's inspecting the walls. He can't even get his donkey past the rubble, so he gets off his donkey and he just keeps walking. He keeps walking and walking and walking and walking all the way around all of the walls, and you've got to allow God an opportunity to walk around the walls of your heart and your mind and your soul, and I think one of the best ways to do that is just walk through the last 24 hours. So, God, did I, so I was, I was there, I was at that, I was at that restaurant, I, um, I guess this is how I interacted with my family in the morning, and then I was there, and then I was at the class, and uh, I was at work, and I remember being at work, being in that room, and was there anything I did that is there anything I thought? Was there, was, there, was there an action or 
Is there something I said that was, was not right? I'm telling you, when you take time to inspect the walls, you're going to start finding rubble. That's when the hard work begins because you got to move rubble. And rubble is moved through repentance. It's just simply repenting. God, that was not, I am not being an image bearer. That is not a holy life as you've called me to do and be. And with the, the second step you do in that, by the way, is you, if, you, if it's against someone, you go find that someone and you repent. How do you repent? You don't say, I'm sorry. You say, will you forgive me? I want, I want us to practice this. And some of this is going to be so good for some of you because you're like, now's my moment. I can finally say it. <laughs> I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I just want you to use, say this phrase, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Now I want you to turn back, and I want you to say this. I want you to say, hey, I'm sorry. Okay, now which one's more powerful? Which one is more powerful? Will you forgive me? Those are powerful words and powerful phrases, and, and I think that is how we can inspect the walls because you got to stand guard. you got to keep building that wall of worship. And, but I, I think not only do we need to do it individually, but we need to do it collectively as the body of Christ, and this is what I think is the beauty of verse 13. The second part, it, sa it says this, I stationed the people. Oh, man, I stationed the people. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. He stationed the people to what? Stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Now, now, hang on. This is crazy and brilliant all at the same time. Think of this. Like, put the scripture back up. This is crazy. The people. I gave the people, the families, the untrained people, I handed them swords, bows, and spears, can you imagine going down to your toddler and going, here you go, little Johnny, have fun with this little bow. Be careful back there in the kid's wing today with that, okay? Don't want to poke an eye out. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, these people are completely untrained, and he gives them weapons, but it's also brilliant because he stationed them as families. If you're going to protect anyone in this world, who are you going to protect? Your family. You, you will die for your family. This is, this is just brilliant. And when you became a follower of Jesus, you became a part of God's family. We are related like it or not. We are brothers. We are sisters in Christ. Like we are family. Come on, turn to somebody and say, welcome to the family. Welcome to the, welcome to the family. You know, one of the questions we ask people is, is this. Hey, hey, uh, hey uh, what, what, what church do you go to? Pretty typical question. I mean, I've asked that. Have you ever asked that? Nod at me. Yes, no, yeah. I'll ask people that question. Hey, what church do you go to? It's kind of an odd question if you think about it because if we're family. Like, that's like asking somebody, hey, what family do you go to? What? Well, what family do you go to? Well, uh. Well, you know, I used to go to the Johnson family. Uh, that was my family. And, uh, but I kind of got tired. Every Tuesday night, it was casserole night. And uh, it was just the same thing over and over again. I needed, I needed more of a deeper dish. <laughs> Getting the analogy? Getting, stay with me. 
I just needed some, I didn't need, you know, and then, I mean, uh, so I've, uh, lately I've been going over to the Thompsons, I've been trying the Thompsons, because um, I, I, I prefer their, their television uh, over my family's television, and, uh, you know, I mean, and plus my family was just, they were like asking me to serve and to help around the house, and I was like, whoa, he's up here, you know, and they wanted me home more often, I'm like, hey, I come home every other week, what's the problem? Weird, isn't it? Because those are phrases you say when you, when you go somewhere. Because when you go somewhere, you can just go whenever you feel like it. But when you belong, it's not that way at all. And, and the, the church is a place you belong. It's not a place you attend. Why? Because this is a family. We are a, a family. And I think what we're seeing and what's happening in our culture, in our world, is now slowly making its way into the church, and that is the breakdown of the family. We see it in our culture, do we not? I mean, you see this all over, the breakdown of the family. You see that there's, there's not a lot of love, there's not a lot of support, there's really not a lot of devotion. In fact, there's sometimes anger, and it's very divisive, or, or if it's not, it's just cold. Nobody's talking to anybody. Nobody's helping anybody. And that has started to kind of creep into the church, and we've forgotten sometimes how to be a family. And I think at Core Church, what we've got to do is we've got to show the world what it means to be a family. And we've got to show people this is what a family looks like. This is a place, if you're new, maybe you're not in a core group. I want to tell you this. Danny and Kelly would welcome you into their core group. And if you're not in one, run when you see them because they're going to be asking everybody, are you in a group, 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 are you in a group. Because this is a place you can belong. This is a place where you can find love, you can find people that are committed and devoted to you. This is what I love about our groups. And our groups are a place where they don't fight with one another, they fight for one another. They support each other and they, they help each other. My favorite thing to do is when I see a family in crisis and, and I call a group leader and I say, hey, did you hear about it? And they're like, oh, we're already on it, we've known about it for two weeks. I love that. That a group is already undergirding that family or that individual and supporting them and caring for them and helping them like that's that's who we are but but when you begin to build this life and this wall of worship get ready because the enemy is going to show up and when he shows up you got to stand guard and we got to stand guard together we we, we got to stay on this wall of worship together so here's my exclamation point for the series. I think Nehemiah encapsulates this entire series in one sentence. And if you've been in church, you know these words. The enemy was coming at them. They were getting tired. They were worn out. And then Nehemiah said these words. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. For some of you, you may need to Take a picture of that. You may need to write that down. I want to challenge some of you. Memorize that. 
Because as you say, I'm, as I'm moving forward, as, as, I'm, as I determine in my life that I'm going to stay alert and, I'm, I, and I am going to live for Christ and I'm going to have these, these, this rhythm of worship in my life, I, I am, you're just going to have to say to the enemy when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when you're ready to quit, when you don't feel like going, you don't feel like doing, you have to say, hey, I am doing a great work. Because the enemy is going to try to twist it and say, your, your work is a waste of time. Being in that group is a waste of time. Being in the Word of God, waste of time. Being on your knees, waste of time. Being in the house of the Lord, waste of time. And you have to say, oh, no, 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 no. I am doing a great work. Like what you've done today by being in the house of God, you can say to the enemy, Bow up right in his face and say, I have done a great work. And when you walk out these doors and you determine to be an image bearer of our God, I'm going to live a life of holiness. Talked about that last week. Being holy before God is simply reflecting the character of God. And you determine to do that. You say, I know that somebody's spitting in your face. You say, no, I'm going to be an image bearer. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down, and I will not come down. Would you stand? Father, we just thank you for your word in this series, and would you help us, Father, to stay alert in Jesus' name.